much. And take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, but also you might want to put a finger in 1 Timothy 6. I'll be looking at that in just a little bit. But Mark chapter 4 is where we want to start. And uh, we've been looking at the sower. And, and so the seed, of course, was the Word of God. And there were four different kinds of grounds that this seed falls on. So we'll just start here with verse 7 tonight as we look at this uh, message on the sower. Uh, again, I think... We preached the last couple Sundays on it, and looking at each one. And today we're looking at the crown of thorns, at the crown of thorns, at the uh, filled with thorns in it. All right. Okay. Now, verse seven says, "And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up, and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit." that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60, and some an hundred. Now let's go over here to verses uh, 19 and 20. And as we look at these verses here, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, I'll start in verse 18. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things. Entering in, choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. I'll go ahead with verse 20 as well. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Well, let's uh, have a word of prayer, then we'll get to the message for this evening. Now, fathers, we look into your word tonight. I pray that it would be as clear and understandable as can be to each listener, each person, Lord, whether they're watching by internet or listening by radio. And I pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit will teach it to the heart, Lord. I'm not capable of doing it as you can do it. So, Lord, I just pray that you would use my lips to be able to articulate it. But, Lord, allow thy Holy Spirit to give each heart understanding in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right. Uh, we were looking at this, we titled the message, The CDL of, De uh, of Defeat for a Christian. Looking at the thorny ground. And the C, as we were looking at this morning, are the cares of this world. Now we said Christians must uh, be careful here, alright. Christians must realize that uh, there are different things that come in their lives and, and they're not necessarily evil in and of themselves. But their cares that this world has, and it takes you away from the things of God. Uh, we, we looked at various things that could be those cares, uh, cause us to lose our trust and our faith. And so things come in. It might be just things as bills, you know, and we begin to worry. Worry is never the will of God. Now, we that are uh, very uh, sanctified and special. We don't say call it worry, we call it concern. Uh, but it really ends up being about the same thing half the time. 
And of course, you should be concerned about paying your bills and doing things like that. But sometimes uh, people think of, how am I going to do this? And about everything they think about takes them from the will of God. Takes them from being what they ought to do. Takes them from being in church. Takes them from their daily prayer life and daily time in the Word of God. And it takes them from the things uh, all due to the cares of this world. And yet, those cares of this world, although, as I said, they may not be evil cares, but cares that have to be dealt with. Uh, paying for your house, paying for your car, paying for your gas, paying for your food and things like that. Yeah. They have to be taken care of. We've got to deal with those things. But don't let them take the place of Jesus Christ in your life. Don't let them take the place of your walk and service for God in your life. So, the C of CDL in this passage is the cares of this world. The cares of this world, okay? And so, and we looked at what the world is talking about this morning and, and defined some things. It's more than just this ball that we live on. Sometimes it's the world's system, it's the world's morals. Sometimes it's just the world people. And sometimes it's just simply those cares that everybody lives with, whether you're saved or unsaved, but they become the thing that's most important almost in your life just by your action. But the second thing now that, we, that leads uh, to choking, the testimony. This spells defeat for a Christian. And, and, and let me just say this. Defeat for a Christian also means ashamed at His appearing. Ashamed at the judgment seat of Christ. Ashamed when all heaven sees you, your loved ones, your friends. It, there will be a shame for these things. And so that is the next thing is ashamed uh, of the, should I say, of uh, <laughs> CD. D is deceitfulness of riches. Now again, understand, the soil is the heart. The seed is the Word of God. Jesus tells us that. We don't have to try to figure out, now what does this stand for? What does that stand for? The Bible already tells us that. The soil is speaking of the heart. That, that seed was sown everywhere. The, it was there on the stony ground. You'd say, well, you don't sow seed there. The wayside soil, people walk over it, trample on it, and everywhere else. But it was just an example to us that the Word of God has to be taken, the gospel given, in all those soils. It's important that we do that. Sometimes you might uh, try once, well, they didn't get saved, you give up on them, and so you try somebody else, you give up on that. Uh, the Lord didn't say spread the seed just once. Give them just one opportunity. If they don't get it, tough. <laughs> no, the Lord wants them all to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So don't give up on one try. You get an opportunity again. If it's the same person, give them the gospel again. Fellow believer, starting to stray away from the Lord, encourage them in the Word again. Encourage them again. But use the Word of God. That's the seed. The soil is the heart. And so now we see the next thing is the D, the deceitfulness of riches. And that's where I go to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, I'm going to look at verses 6 through 10. And it, it really gives us a good revelation of how it leads to defeat in the Christian life. Isn't it interesting? Jesus gives this illustration there in Mark chapter 4, and then you see later in the New Testament the book of 1 Timothy being written. 
and it's pretty well supporting everything Jesus just said. And of course it should because Jesus Christ, God, you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three divine persons, one divine essence. And so since every word is God breathed, this is just breathing what Jesus said. Remember the Holy Spirit, one of His things is to bring to our remembrance all that He taught, all that He commanded. And so that's what He's doing here. But starting in verse 6, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Now if you get that doctrine, and by the way, that is a doctrine. Anything the Bible teaches is a doctrine. Now, a lot of times we want to say, well, that's not the doctrine of hamartiology. You just learned the word. You don't even know what it is. Some will hear, hear different words of, well, eschatology, ecclesiology. It sound, makes it sound intelligent. You know, the song we sang tonight, uh, But Until Then, there was, uh, it just made me think of it when we were singing. I asked uh, uh, Reuben to let me look at his hymnal because I thought it was, and it was uh, Stuart Hamblin sang those words. Stuart Hamlin got saved. He was, he was a rough character. Now, he, yeah, he did some singing, but uh, he wasn't one of the rich singers. You know, but he got saved. And he went to a church, and, you know, he was kind of a rough guy, and he went to a, I guess, kind of an uppity church. Now, I think when you go to church, you ought to try to dress the best you can. But nonetheless, because we're, we're coming for the Lord, you know, uh, no, regardless of who the president is, if I get invited to the White House and I go, I'm going to dress up. Okay. If you get called into court, you better be dressed up. Okay. So, I, I, I don't want anything else in this world to be more important than my Lord. Okay. And so, uh, he came, boy, I tell you what, he had the best that he had, but it was awful compared to what everybody else had. And there are a couple of people that was there, and one of the Wonderful, nice ladies there started telling him, You couldn't dress like that. Blah, and boy, they gave it to him, and I mean, gave it to him hard, and he went home. He had just been saved. Boy, he's really down. And I don't know if he read these words or heard these words or whatever, but they became a part of his singing, and he went on, was used of God, and of course, did very well as far as men concerned, is what very well is in life. Uh, but until then, with joy. I'll go on singing. And so that was uh, one of the things that was a part of his testimony. But now, doctrine is anything the Bible teaches. And so, godliness with contentment is great gain, uh, whether you believe that's a doctrine or not. So you keep, it keeps you from being destroyed as a Christian. If you get uncontent with the things of God, you want more, and usually that more is what this life offers, what man offers, what the world desires. And so often it's brought about by the deceitfulness of riches. Uh, and that has destroyed many a Christians that money brings happiness. There's nothing wrong with having money. But if that's what determines your happiness, there's something greatly wrong with your heart. You see, uh, it, it takes you from the pursuit of Christ and His righteousness. Every Christian ought to be involved and concerned and be directed by that great pursuit of Christ 
and His righteousness. Ephesians chapter 4 speaks of uh, righteousness and true holiness. And that ought to be the pursuit of every Christian. Uh, some have done very well in life. As I said, riches of themselves are not evil. Job was rich. He was the richest man on the face of the earth. Abraham was a rich man. Uh, King David, he was a rich man. You find in the New Testament, even this passage I'm reading from 1 Timothy chapter 6, is because they had rich people in the church. It wasn't evil to be rich. People get in businesses, and those businesses do well by what the world calls well, and, and so they seem to prosper. And there's nothing wrong with that prosperity. But understand, if you're saved, you're a Christian, and you prosper in those things, see, some people think every Christian ought to be prospering financially in this world. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible does teach that whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. You work hard. You give it your best. I think every Christian, wherever they work, I don't care if they're working uh, in a store, whether they're working in construction, whether they're working in anything, they ought to try to be the best worker, the hardest worker there. Give it their all. That's your testimony. It's a part of your testimony. But uh, understand, you do very well in this world. God has a reason for that. Because you meet other people that are not saved. Other people who are carnal Christians doing very well in this world and God has you there as a light to them. Look at Job. He lost everything he had. But he stayed true to God. He didn't abandon the Lord. He didn't abandon his way, his righteousness. And the Lord in his ministry commends Job for his faith. And the Lord ends up doubling what he had before. And so we, we find that uh, uh, God puts us in our place, no matter what job you work, where you are, you're a light for the Lord. We are to be that light for Christ. And so he has set, set us forth as lights in the world. That's what he's done for us, wants us to be. And he goes on in verse 7 says, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Now, carrying nothing out means of this world's goods. Now, we can carry out the fact that bringing souls to the Savior and other things that lay up crowns and treasures in heaven. Yeah, that'll be carried out. But that was already carried out and put in heaven before you ever left this world, you see. And, and then on the other hand, when you think of that, I mean, Taking what you have with you, you can't take it with you. I, I remember, now this actually happened, okay. My wife and I, we were down in Bushnell for a service down there, of course, the military cemetery. And as I pulled in there, where you turn in there, driving down that little part before you cut off to go into that one side area, I saw a U-Haul truck coming from the cemetery. <laughs> I said, maybe somebody figured out how to take it with them. Uh, but uh, no, they didn't take it. If that, if that thing was full, when it got there, none of it went with anybody. It, it, it uh, stayed here. It stayed this side of heaven. I just thought it was kind of funny because I heard preachers over the years say, you can't load a U-Haul and take it with you. And I said, boy, somebody tried it. Uh, but um, it just didn't happen. But 
Yes, you'll leave the things of this world behind, but the greater shame will be if you obtain those things, you left those things, and you left it at the expense of the will of God. And in heaven, that'll be a thing of shame. I think God has really blessed some people. I mean, I see, I've seen people that have given much to missions. I've seen people that have given much to help a church and various ministries it had and other things it had. That's great. They knew God blessed them, and so they were using it in God's, for God's glory. I believe also that they did it as they were led of the Lord. A lot of people that do that say, I don't want anybody to know this. The only one who's going to know is the bookkeeper. Uh, let, let me just say that right now. I, I've said this to you plenty of times before. I don't know what anybody gives. Unless somebody comes up and says, uh, Preacher, I want to give this. I, I don't want anybody to know, but I want to give this for missions. Okay, I'll turn it into Miss Kay, and, and she knows, and I know about that person. But that's all I know. I don't look in the books and say, who gave and who didn't, who tithed and who didn't. You see, I'm also a human. And that sin nature didn't leave me when I got saved. We all have a sin nature. I just felt, why well, tempt myself with favoritism? Why well, tempt myself with that? So my first church I pastored, I says, no, I'm not going to know what people gave. I'm just not going to know. And so that's the way I've been throughout the entire ministry. Now some preachers say, well, preacher, that's stupid, man. Do you know what you could do? <laughs> yeah. I'd be trusting that I could get it out of those people instead of praying to the Lord and seeing Him supply it and miss that blessing. So you, there's several ways of looking at it. Uh, seek God's will, the will of God for your life, because completing and doing that will in your life will be the issue for the Christian at the judgment seat of Christ. Am I in the will of God? Am I giving my all to it? How am I treating the will of God? Verse 8 says, And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. How many Christians, okay, how many Christians have got caught in the get-rich-quick schemes that come out there? Uh, most of us, has spent the money on the postage, now it's emails, I guess, to try to win the publisher's clearinghouse, you know, so many millions of dollars, and this for the rest of your life. But we'd like you to buy this, we'd like you to buy that. And so people are uh, spending money on these other things, thinking, well, if I buy these things, boy, that'll give me favor with publisher's clearinghouse. And I don't know how many have spent, spent money on those things. Others, they get taught, they hear about some new things coming out. Man, you invest in this. Boy, this is going to be great. This is going to be great. I wonder how many did that in eight tracks. You know? I mean, how many did that? And so, so people are going to do this. Boy, this is going to be great. Uh, look, learn to be content is a very important doctrine as well. 
uh, look, it, on the job, if it's your lips that are always showing the discontent, even though God may have provided you the job, it's not run the way you think it should be run. I remember sitting, growing up, and I mean, as a teenager, and then later as a young man, been in break rooms, and hearing the people that tell how dumb these people are that run this business. And I'm wondering, what are they doing working there if they're so smart? And these people are doing well, and they're doing very well, and they're growing. But these people know a better way of doing it. This is not the way to do it. I know better. And, and again, it's the deceitfulness of riches that kind of get in. And so they're not content with what they have. You, you've heard of gold diggers, okay? And many times it's referring to ladies. Sometimes it refers to men as well. They leave their marriage because they can do financially better somewhere else. A gold digger. And they never learn what real love is actually. They never learn true contentment in life. There's always that desire for more. Verse 9 says, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare into many foolish and hurtful lust, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For an example, there are things that in, ended up in the loss of your family, the loss of heavenly reward. Some started the going by the convenience store and buying your lottery tickets. How much money have you put into that? And how has that honored the Lord? And so others go into different things. They, uh, they, they just want to go in. And, and now they're talking about the, you know, Latin, praise the Lord, last year it got defeated about having casino gambling. Well, I think it would be a good thing, man. You, you can do that. You know, you don't have to spend all. It's up to you whether you spend all that much money. So you're really glad and happy to have harlotry, murder, thievery, drugs, crime, increase in your neighborhood so you can have a chance to maybe, and it's a chance only, to win at spinning some wheel or something. And no, that is not pleasing to God at all. That's a terrible testimony. Now, we're not Southern Baptists here. I was talking to a Southern Baptist pastor several years ago. And they had their convention they have every summer, their big meeting of all of them coming in together. They had it out there in Nevada, Las Vegas. And he said he was up there, and he saw that, that one-armed bandit they called, I guess, and he said, I'm going to try it. And he put some money in it, and he pulled the lever down. And just about the time he did it, some man said, Pastor, is that your money, or is that the money the church gave to come out here? <laughs> he said, that was just like a sword going inside me. He said, I was so convicted about that. 
and, and he was telling me about, uh, uh, he said, that was the dumbest thing, one of the dumbest things I've ever done in ministry. Now, I don't know if his people ever found out, but uh, he's, he mentioned about what a terrible thing that was in his life. Uh, now, he says in verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, a lot of people like to say a root, because the word can be translated either way. So, obviously, God meant a <laughs> All right, uh, look, he, he says money is the root of all evil. In other words, it becomes a thing that leads to those things, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That's the deceitfulness of riches. And the tragedy is, is that the money becomes such a thing that it makes your heart evil soil. Evil soil in the heart that uh, takes you from the faith. You say, what do you mean takes you from the faith? Well, all of a sudden, for example, just just things I've seen with Christians. Super Bowl Sunday, they put some money on the game. They're at home Sunday night watching the game. Okay. Uh, there's a chance to advance here. If I do this, I'll do that. Man, that would be great. And, and the things of God, the commandments of God, just like not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as the matter of some is, See, they had problems with church attendance back then, as a matter of some is. But so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know what that means? If you really believe that Christ is coming back soon, you ought to be more faithful than you've ever been. That's doctrine. Do you believe it? You see, that's the other thing about it. Is there a commitment to it? In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Did you acknowledge him about gambling? Did you acknowledge him about not being in church? Did you acknowledge him about doing something else that takes you away from ministry, from serving the Lord, from being in that bus ministry, from singing in the choir, from teaching a Sunday school class, or whatever it may be? Did you seek the Lord on that? Or was your prayer, Lord, now, you know, I'm having a hard time doing that. I'm going to give that up. You told the Lord the way you're going to go. You didn't tell, he'd ask him the way you should go. See, there's a limit, it seems, that uh, ends up with many sorrows because it ends up dividing family. It divides friends. It divides things of that nature. And the last thing, let's get to that real quickly. The last thing that chokes the testimony that spells defeat for a Christian and ashamed at the appearing of Jesus Christ is the L of CDL. That is the lust of other things entering in. Choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. See, it is a tragedy in the Christian life to pursue Affluence in this life. Now, again, I didn't say it's wrong 
to be in a well-paying job. I did not say that at all. I didn't say even that it was wrong. You invest, you have investments. I didn't say that was wrong. But what becomes wrong is that when it is so occupying us that we bring forth no fruit for Jesus Christ. Those desires will see many one day count the loss at the judgment seat of Christ. Counting the loss as all heaven is there and sees. This lust or desire in a Christian is not necessarily, as we said, for evil things, but it leads to a distraction from the call of God in your life. Look, you can be working a full-time job, and most of you do, but that doesn't mean you can't serve the Lord. One can be rich, or one can be poor, and their life can continue to count greatly for the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how rich you are or how poor you are. That's not what makes the difference of whether you can count for Christ. It's that commitment to Christ to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The pursuit of righteousness and true holiness. You see, there are other pursuits that come into our lives that are born by the seed of the tempter. Other things that draw our attention from God's Word. Other things that enter the service that you once did. Oh, I used to, and, and, and I used to do, you know what I used to do? Uh, so what are you doing now? What are you doing now? Somebody says, well, I'm 75, I'm 80 years old or something like that. So, you know, I can't get out and drive a bus. I, yeah, that's true. Can't do the things you used to do. But your greatest ministry may be now as a prayer warrior. Not a 15-minute time in the morning. It's a through today praying for those ministries that still stand on the Word of God. Praying for missionaries on the field. Praying for the needs of, of the people of God in your own church. You may have the greatest ministry ahead of you. The thing that will prevent that are thorns in the soil of your heart. And many times those deceitful things, those thorns, are the deceitfulness of riches. Those desires become such thorns that in time they've choked off your service and thereby you see a reason the Bible teaches that they'll count the loss. Reward that the Lord already had laid up for you. And it'll make you ashamed at His appearing. I remember somebody using the uh, illustration one time in the church service, a preacher saying, just think of heaven having these great big warehouses. Now, I don't think you're going to have warehouses, okay. But he uses it to illustrate. And you walk in that warehouse, and it shows you all these wonderful, nice things. And one of those things has your name on it. Oh, is that mine? 
And he says, well, it was. You've lost. Whoa. The only thing I don't like about that illustration, it's not just you and the Lord that knows it, it's all the heaven that knows it. Remember in the parable? Take from him that hath the one, and give it to him that hath the ten. But Lord, he has ten. <laughs> yeah, I reward faithfulness. I reward they that do that which is right. Now let's think about that. All of these things about the soil of the heart, the heart has to be dealt with. That's why the good soil is there. As a Christian, we saw the last one, that on good soil, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Great! But that soil has to be kept right. I mean, if that, my wife and I grew up on a farm. I know in that garden they like to pull those weeds out of the as soon as they'd see one coming up, they grabbed it. Uh, if there was some kind of bugs trying to interfere, they might have sprayed those things. But whatever it was, they took care of it. They didn't want anything to destroy the good fruit, the good food that was growing up. As a pastor, I'm supposed to be a watchman for the church. As a Christian, you're supposed to be a watchman for the soil of your own heart. Keep the word sowed there, so that at his appearing, we are not ashamed. My wife and I, we have four miscarriages. So when I think about that, I said, you know, if I died today, people say, man, when I die, the First thing I get to heaven, of course, I want to see Jesus. We all want to see him face to face and be able to thank him. But then I want to see Moses. Or I want to see the apostle Paul. I want to see the, you know what? I want to see my four children I've never met before. I want to see them before I see Moses. Before I've seen Paul, I want to see those four children. And hear them thank me. I'm so glad I didn't have to grow up in your house. Uh, but nonetheless... I look forward to that. Janice's daddy died when she was one year, one month, one day old. I said Revelation 9, that's a sign of some kind. But one month, one year, one day old, her daddy died. So she really never knew her daddy, but he was a Christian. He was saved. So she looks forward to seeing her dad, her, her, her mom, her other siblings. She's the only sibling of their family that's left. I've got a brother in heaven. I've got parents in heaven. We have friends in heaven. I look forward to seeing them. But boy, I certainly don't want to be ashamed. I don't want to be ashamed. I don't want to be ashamed before my Lord. And I don't want to be ashamed before my children. Saved so as by fire. And yet, saved so as by fire is a billion times better. A billion times better than having the best place in hell. The thing for us, keep it good soil. 
the fertilizer for the soil of the heart is the Word of God. Stay in it. Know it. Live by it. If you want to know what is wrong, get to know what is right. Then you'll recognize the wrong. Let the Holy Spirit teach you His Word. If you're not having a daily time in God's Word, if you're not having a daily time in prayer, my friend, you're not going to be hearing a well done at His appearing. You are going to be ashamed at His appearing if you are saved. Now, if you're not saved, uh, let me say it again. I'd rather have the worst place in heaven, but there are no worse places. They're just not those places that are as rewarded as other places. But it'd be far better to be that than to have the best place in hell. There's no really good place in hell. It's forever. It's torment. It's fire. But we do know it's going to be worse for some than others. We know that by the Word of God. You should never play Russian roulette with your soul. You never win that one. What is your prayer life? What is your walk with God? Are the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things? I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Hey, I want this. I want that. Oh, this is what I'd rather have. This is what I'd rather do. This is where I'd rather be. This is where I'd rather go. Oh, there's a song. Jesus led me all the way. But is that true for us? It's a question I have to ask myself. You know, we all have deep secrets probably in our heart that we don't share with anybody. You may not have even shared it with your spouse. But 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says the hidden things of darkness one day will be revealed. They haven't been dealt with here. They'll be dealt with there. Well, I told God I'm sorry. Well, did you make it right with the person that you sinned against? Well, you know. No, I don't know. And obviously you don't either. One day you'll stand before him and all heaven will know. Saved so as by fire. I don't know about you. But I don't want that to be my testimony. Let's bow our heads, please.